So welcome to the first episode of Three Things. This is a show where we ask leaders from business, entertainment and sport what three pieces of advice they would give to their younger selves if they could. My first guest today is well-known Hong Kong lawyer Kevin Bowers. Uh, Kevin is a career lawyer who moved from London to Hong Kong in 1997 and he worked for some of the largest international and local firms before starting his own firm, Bowers.Law, in April 2020. Today he has 13 lawyers on his books and has already represented 200 corporate and individual clients, which from any measure, that's a hell of a success in just one year. He's described as Hong Kong's most entrepreneurial lawyer. And as an example, I think to the great astonishment of the legal community, he abandoned hourly billing and works or offers clients a project arrangement, which is very different for this industry. Driven, loyal, and resilient are words that his friends, colleagues, and clients also use to describe him. He's creative and funny as well, and he's many tales to tell about his past cases, which span from money laundering to fraud and kidnapping. But over the years, Kevin has faced his own serious challenges, his serious legal challenges, being found innocent of all charges in a 2019 criminal case. Under pressure that only few can imagine, Kevin made a positive out of this experience and says that it makes him an even better lawyer being able to speak from his own experiences on the other side. Kevin's irreverent, quick-witted, and very much to the point and clients rely on Kevin to help them navigate highly complex and contentious legal cases. So, Kevin, welcome to Three Things. Hi. So, that was just a preamble, but let's get to it. Tell me about a really challenging case in your career and the advice that you gave, and, and you think the difference that you helped that client. One case that really sticks in my mind is, I won't name the person. I totally understand. But... Uh, he had a big claim against a U.S. investment bank, all to do with Adolf Hitler. Okay. Um, he published... Um, not a day-to-day case, though. Not a day-to-day case, right. but made it interesting. Sure. And he published a newsletter, and it had a link to one of those Hitler parody videos. And it was about the price of silver and other banking uh, people in the industry. And he got terminated from his employment. My job was to get him some compensation Mm. because we've said he'd been wrongfully terminated. Case ran for two or three years. We won, obviously, and had a very happy client at the end of it. And the difference we made, obviously, was that the opening figures that we were talking about three years beforehand were trebled. But most importantly for him, he was able to rid himself of the stigma Mm. of losing his job in a well-known bank and has gone from strength to strength now. So that's a real, almost a human outcome of your work. You, you've helped an individual get past some real difficulty and set the scene for their future life. That's something I say to a lot of the junior lawyers who work with me, that it, what we do for clients, especially individual clients, is change their lives. Yeah. We had one guy who was terminated from his high-profile financial services job after we'd done sprinkled our magic dust on the case um he um we'll come back to the magic dust in a minute. <laughs> he wasn't any longer summarily dismissed for gross misconduct yeah he departed by mutual consent which meant he kept his sfc license which meant his family could stay in hong kong and he didn't have to move back to where he came from because i think people forget there's often a human story 
behind a lot of the sort of clients you deal with, and we'll come to yours in a minute. But there's, I think it's fair to say there's a lot of lawyers in Hong Kong. I don't think that would be an unfair statement. What, very straight question, Kevin, what makes you different? Straight question, I'm a straight talker. Okay. Some lawyers will tell clients what they want to hear or what they think they want to hear. I tell them what I think they need to hear. So I reality check right from the start. Do you find that sometimes when you tell clients what is, if you like, your perspective, they are not very good at hearing that? Almost all the time. And how do you then navigate that scenario into having your client accept your advice? What, what are the sort of techniques that you employ? It's a reality checking exercise. Yes, you can fight your points of principle. Something I find myself saying all the time is points of principle are the most expensive things you can ever fight over. Right. Don't do it. Okay. And then I explain, especially recently in COVID times with the court congestions, what used to take 18 months will take three years to go through court because it takes longer. Guess what? It's twice as expensive. Because you're one of the few lawyers, I believe, that encourages your clients wherever possible don't go to court. I used to, when I was what I when I described myself as a litigation lawyer, I used to see it as my job to get my clients into court. Then I became a dispute resolution lawyer, which meant resolving your disputes either in court, uh, in an arbitration, in a mediation, or just a negotiation. Now I'm just a problem solver because mm. my job is to keep my clients out of court or an arbitration room, because the systems now, the processes take so long, are so expensive. Generally speaking, it's a very rare dispute that warrants mm. a two, three, four-year battle and a few million dollars later. So there are better resolutions. So you're sitting with your 21-year-old self, or let's say your 21-year-old self, okay? So we're sitting in Hong Kong now, but you're back then. What's your first three thing? If you could go back in time and say, Kevin, there's something I really want you to know, what would that be? My first of my three things is be brave which again, I find myself saying to a lot of junior lawyers, so I put myself back in their position. And that's not just in terms of the advice you're giving and putting yourself out there, not be too conservative. How many lawyers say, well, it could be this or it could be that. Here's the bill. But is it easier to be brave when you've had a bit of experience rather than a younger person? Of course it is. And what I'm trying to instill in the younger lawyers who work with me is that if they're braver from an earlier stage in their career, they'll end up being better lawyers. And I wish I had been a little braver earlier on than I was. But it's not just a question of the advice you're giving. It's about everything you're doing. Mm. Don't just go to the law firm that your parents or your friends okay. expect you to go to. Yeah. I was working in a construction law firm in London. Three months later, I'm working at a big uh, local law firm in Hong Kong. Then I was working for an international firm. Then I was working for a big local firm again. Now I've started so, my own thing. So each stage has been unexpected, probably. Yeah. So your first thing is be brave. Be brave. So we're sitting here. I want to go back a little bit in time, in 2019. And you were found innocent of all criminal charges arising from a legacy 10-year-old case. Most people can't even conceptualize what it must be like to be in that situation, in particular when your business is law. So just help us understand, what kept you going? You know, where did you find your strength to get through that? 
Yeah. Well, it was worse than even you described there because the two charges I was charged with were perverting the course of justice. Right. Not great for a lawyer. Yeah. Over two very short interlawyer conversations I had nearly a decade beforehand. Mm. So uh, being arrested by seven triad cops at the airport isn't the best way to arrive back into Hong Kong because that immediately changes your whole life. Two months later, my old law firm, even though my name was on the door, hoofed me out. And then I had to face a year-long prosecution, which ended up in a trial which lasted two or three weeks with a few gaps, and then a judgment handed down later on. It was not guilty, and during that year, I did have safe harbour uh, with another law firm in Hong Kong, which let me have a pit stop and let me keep my clients and me, to sure. be frank, safe for a while. And what I didn't do is go boozing. What I did do is <laughs> do a lot of hiking. Yeah. Not necessary to keep my body fit, to keep my mind fit. Yeah. And I, that helped me a lot. But so I, I get that. But again, you know, few can even conceptualize what you must have gone through. Where you spoke earlier about your first thing being being brave. But what, let's talk about strength. You know, where did you find the, just the grit and determination to let this this tsunami of life's events that, as you say, spoke to the very core of what you are, which is a lawyer. Where did the strength come from? I knew I was innocent. Right. That was at the core of it. And I think you might remember, Charles, we recorded a video where I went I through my thank yous for all the people who had helped me throughout the ordeal, which we recorded the day before the verdict. I think it was the Friday, if I recall correctly. So I think the verdict was on the, the next working day because I was convinced of the results. And because I had that conviction within myself, I was able to be what everyone keeps describing as resilient. But it was just me being determined to come through the other side, knowing that there would be a not guilty verdict, although there's always something in the back of your head, I can tell you, that yeah. a lot of hiking still won't remove, um, <laughs> where, you know, there's a tiny, tiny element of doubt, and that's the nagger in well, the back of your head. So you're right. We did make a short video, which ultimately went on to LinkedIn, which was the innocent sort of short film, which I believe got a crazy number of views. But what sort of impressed me the most, which I think also speaks to what you've just said, we didn't do any version other than innocent. There was only one version. So I think that speaks to you know, what we, we, all, we all knew would be the result on the Monday. We didn't do any other version. I didn't want to do any other version. I don't think we even talked about we it. We actually did. I think we maybe had a one sentence. Maybe. No. I don't think we even did that. Actually. I don't think so. <laughs> I think it was, it, was, it was innocent. Door A, innocent. There's no it. door B. I'm so convinced in myself and that's what gave me the strength through the year to deal with not just the prosecution, the loss of the law firm, and, and to be frank, a lot of people's perception of you mm. changes. Mm. And did you find that going through that process, you people stopped talking to you, you dropped friends? Did, did your social and professional word change as you were going through this process? Definitely. Really? It's an old saying that, you, you know, in hard times you find out who your friends and enemies. Mm. Here I found out a lot about myself, but a lot about other people. Mm. And yes, there were people who would stop me in the street outside one of my favorite watering holes. Oh, you're the, you're the bad lawyer, you know? And that's what people would say to me on the street who I didn't know. 
well, 200 clients today would suggest that things are going in a different direction. But that's interesting. And did how, since you've, you know, you have now built a very successful new law firm, has anyone who sort of weren't part of your friendship group tried to get back into your friendship group since that point? Not really, because one of the things that I've been concentrating on is cutting out parts of my life right. that weren't helping me or those around me. And, you know, I've got this expression, energy vampires. Right. That's great. Energy vampires. Energy vampires. I, like I don't that. want them around me. We don't want any of those. <laughs> we all know some people who will take more than they give. Yeah. And generally that's my expression. And I try to avoid that sort of scenario where I'm with someone I don't want to be with or doing something for someone I don't want to do. I'm concentrating on things that are important to me and those around me rather than being sidetracked by other things or other people. And do you think that decision to, and I really love that expression, energy vampires, do you think by exiting them from your life, has it put you in a better place? 100%, because I am not distracted or brought down by things that, or people I don't want to be around. I think that's a great point to get into our second thing. So again, 21-year-old Kevin, you're able to go back and what is the second thing you will tell your younger self? I think it would be do what you want to do, not what others expect you to do. Other people, actually almost every single person I know, at the end of my prosecution and ordeal expected me just to become a partner or consultant of another law firm and either so just jog take, along. take the obvious road. Take the easy road, jog along or disappear altogether. Mm. So I decided not to do that. I had something within myself that said, you know what, I want to do this. And I wanted to start a new law firm with a brand new business model. And it'd been something I'd been thinking about for a long time. So I saw that end of the prosecution and the not guilty verdict as a watershed gave me the opportunity to do what I wanted to do, not what other people expected me to do. And it all came from my light bulb moment. Yeah which was bizarrely sitting on a deck chair on a beach in Maui. Okay. Where a group of... That's a good place to have a life light bulb moment, I would say. Yeah, yeah it, it could be worse. <laughs> or life bulb, actually. Life bulb, very <laughs> good. Take either one. <laughs> um, a group of very uber-cool surfers walk past and carrying their boards, long hair, tans, all looking good. I could see them looking back at me, and I was in this deck chair with my Blackberry, that's how long ago it was, and my timesheet, working away, recording my time. They looked back at me, looked at each other, shook their heads, and I know what they said. What a loser. I didn't have to hear them. That was my light bulb moment. Yeah. I did not want to be tied to a time recording system which is really inefficient and not one which is, I think, in the best interest of my clients. And I didn't want to run my life in one or six minute units anymore. But everyone says there's always that moment, right? So it's always a photograph of the party where you, someone decides they want to lose a bit of weight. It's that specific moment. So for you, that was more than just a moment on a beach in Maui. That was a, a major junction in life by the sounds of things. For sure. And I'd been discussing it with one of my old university flatmates for a while after that. Then the prosecution happened. Then I saw this was my time to do okay. it. And it was brave. It was April Fool's Day when we opened <laughs> in the middle of a global pandemic. Most of my friends, I think the most common word was, you're bonkers. Yeah. 
Actually, as it turns out, because my particular practice is problem solving, dispute resolution, mm. because of the mayhem caused by COVID and the protests in Hong Kong, those uncertain times create conflict between family members, between businesses. And in Hong Kong, a lot of businesses are run by families. So let's talk about Bowers.law. So we're sitting here today with spectacular view. I know you've uh, just got bigger space. Congrats. Thanks. But as you said, you know, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. You know, we've, everything shuts at six o'clock, if indeed it opens at all. Sentiment has fallen off a cliff. And here is this guy with an interesting history opening up a new law firm. Now, you said that your friends, I think you said you were mad or crazy. Bonkers. Uh, bonkers. You know, other words can apply. <laughs> when you were sitting by yourself, what sort of thoughts went through your mind? Why did you decide to go against the trend so much? Because, again, global pandemic, end of the world in those days, and yet you're opening a new business. Because I was convinced that my new business model would make a difference. Because if I just opened, A, another law firm with a traditional billing model, it wouldn't have been any different. So charging only fixed or staged or retainer fees makes a massive difference for my clients. They get certainty. I agree the price with them, so they get value. And to be frank, sometimes cases get have twists and turns. They have an element of shared risk in terms of that pricing model. And with the traditional law firm model, it's in a client's interest, obviously, to have the case done as quickly and as efficiently as yeah. possible. But Under that, sorry to jump in. Again, though, that doesn't sound like it makes any sense for a lawyer because presumably in many cases the longer the better so you're all about trying to resolve it as quickly as possible that's in my client's best interests under the traditional law firm model charging hourly rates it's in the law firm's interest to have the case staffed with as many people as possible and for it to run as long as possible for me it's in my an, uh, interest to have the case doesn't matter how many people I have it staffed with because it's a fixed rate but it's in my client's interest and mine, to have the case resolved as quickly and cost-effectively as possible, so our interests are aligned. Mm. Whereas under the old model, their interests are divergent from the law firms. I want to get into what your interests are outside of your, your work. But I'm just curious, so you obviously, again, you've got a very interesting client list. What would make you turn a client down? Have there been occasions where you've looked at a case and said, I, I, that's not for me? I've turned clients away if there's a, an actual conflict of interests, there can be a commercial conflict of interests. In Hong Kong, unfortunately, now there's a political conflict of interests. But there's some cases I've turned away just because I don't feel I want to represent that company or individual, either for what they represent or for what they want me to do. Mm. And I'm a problem solver. So I want to solve problems in the right way, and I want to solve them so that the, my clients have the best outcome. Yeah. Looking now at the other part of your life, when you're not at work, although I can't imagine that there's much time these days, what do you like to do? What are your sort of interests when you're not doing work? I spend a lot of time with my daughter, 11-year-old mm -hmm. daughter, who keeps me on my toes. Um, <laughs> And especially over the last 18 months, trying to think of interesting things to do when okay. everything's shut. What's your top tip for... Uh, Unfortunately, she de describes there. hiking as child abuse. <laughs> so 
that's generally out. I'm sure we can edit that out, right? (laughs) (laughs) Except sometimes on a Sunday morning I can get away with it if one of her friends comes with us. So uh, I spend a lot of time with her. Great. I try to spend as much time as I can with friends when not at work, not talking about work, not doing anything to do with work. And we, can, to be, to be can, frank, the odd long lunch doesn't go down to a mess. I totally agree with that. And do you find you're able to mentally separate those two worlds? Or do they tend to sort of collide? I used to be very, very bad at it. Now with my new firm and my new business model, for instance, when my daughter is spending time with me, I, I make sure and I don't feel the need to work. So there's so, no BlackBerry and there's no timesheet. <laughs> the BlackBerry went in the harbour a long time ago. Okay, good to hear. Um, but... I'm now able to divide my life up a lot better than I used to when I was tied to an hourly rate and filling in my timesheet every one or six minutes. It sounds like a bit of a tyranny of the timesheet, actually. Uh, Terrific. Yeah. When I'm, I'm, I'm curious, when, when your colleagues join and you tell them there's no timesheets, what sort of effect does that have? I mean, is that a hiring advantage, would you say? For sure. I think most of them have done cartwheels already in the <laughs> office because they were and they realised that I'm on the 26th floor, right? So we want to be <laughs> yes. a bit careful with that. But one thing I have noticed, which w- was unexpected, is that with this model where there's no competition on time, so you're valued on how good a lawyer you are. So the unexpected benefit for me is that all the lawyers are a lot more collegiate. They'll help each other more on their cases because they're not asking each other, "Oh, can I record some time on that matter?" So. It's a lot more collegiate. People are willing to share templates, drafts, experiences, way more than in my previous firms, which is really enjoyable. Before we get to the, the last three things, I'm, I'm curious. So we've spoken about the positives of starting a new business. I've started a couple myself. What are the negatives? You know, what has caused you real challenges? And it can be big, small, but what have been the less appealing parts of running your own show? Admin. Yeah. I started my own law firm, so... Because you mean no one's there to do it for you, right? (laughs) (laughs) Again, in my previous life, I was towards the end when, you know, running a a larger law firm. I was 30% lawyer, 70% accountant, HR and administration. Now I'm 90% lawyer, 10% admin. But still that 10% still gets my go. But otherwise, it's a very positive experience and negative is very few and far between. So... Our third thing, so this is Kevin today telling 21-year-old Kevin, uh, what's the third thing you'd like to tell yourself? I think at that age, in going into law, you are quite self-absorbed and selfish and very self-interested. So I would tell that self-interested, selfish son of a... (laughs) That he ought son to of be, a gun. Son right? of a gun, that he ought to be more self... Uh, no, not selfish. <laughs> Is that a Freudian slip? That was a chance. Freudian slip. He ought to be more thoughtful and considerate. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to do with this law firm as well, with the collegiate atmosphere and also just the way in which it's run. For instance, my firm's medical insurance. Everybody has the same insurance. It's not different for different layers or seniority or anything like that. It's the same for everybody. Why should it be different for a secretary or a partner? Should, should, everyone's life's worth the same. Yeah. So that sort of thing, which is pretty unusual for law firms, where you have the different grades of insurance for different grades uh, of seniority in the organization. Here, same. So I just want to make it a more thoughtful place. We have a team lunch all together every Friday afternoon in here. 
and I'm trying not to get stains on the new table. Right. But good luck. You know, with that. yes. <laughs> uh, but you know, that's we're trying to build something together, and everyone's buying into the model, so buying into the firm and helping each other with their cases, which is a lot very satisfying place to be. As we wrap up, and not necessary from a business point of view, looking five years ahead. How are you feeling about that? I mean, we, and I'm not going to go down the political road, but Hong Kong is, there's no easy way to say this. I mean, it's a fact. It's in a state of significant flux. And some people see it as a negative. Some people see it as a positive. Where's your head at in the middle of all of this? I'm still in the positive camp. I think we're having a land auction on the piece of grass down there in the harbour front, which is going to get the highest ever property value in Hong Kong ever. I think that... Of course, there's going to be changes, but I'm generally positive for Hong Kong. Hong Kong's always been a resilient place. Otherwise, I wouldn't still be here. And I enjoy living here. Yeah. Not just the working environment, but, you know, being out on the water on a junk on a Saturday afternoon, hiking in the hills on a Sunday when it's five minutes walk from your front door. I think I forgot to mention we're being sponsored by the Hong Kong Tourism Board <laughs> at this point. So uh, thank you for that visual description. But I tend to, I completely agree. So I just think it's a fantastic, fantastic place to live. Yeah. And because of that, that's one of the positives I take. And if it's a place, it's a fantastic place to live with fantastic people in it. I'm positive. Sounds pretty good. Before we wrap up, and this uh, is just a question that we're going to be asking everyone taking people in your life outside, what is the one thing that you would never want to say goodbye to? What is the one thing you couldn't really manage without? And again, water, food, we'll park that. But it's something that's very discretionary to you. Uh, and I'll throw it out there. It could be a mobile phone. It could be music. It can be anything you like. But what would that one thing be? It's definitely not my mobile phone. <laughs> That's been one of the things I would like the first thing, on the shelf. thing to go. You have to give me a minute to think about this. The one thing I couldn't do without. I'm a quite a gregarious person. So for me, it's just being around people. Mm. Obviously, it helps with their friends or family. But generally speaking, because I'm a gregarious person... Yeah. I'm not an insular person. Just being around people and banter. Yeah. So you get your energy from others. I get that. Right. That's um, fair. And that's important to me. Yeah. And that's why even I've just arranged this law firm the way I have, that it's open and everyone's talking to each other and mixing in. I've found it very difficult during lockdown because of the isolation mm -hmm. and not having events to go to whether it's work or social or whatever but no none. travel Zero no travel. travel right i hate the no have traveling you, have you noticed the fact we can't travel recently um <laughs> obviously it's uh, i think we all feel the same about that okay um, interesting so traveling and being around hmm. friends people banter that's me okay i think that's a great place to say thank you kevin bowers i think that was a fascinating conversation i, I know you're busy thank you for finding the time and wishing you every success for the future. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you. That was fun. Next time on Three Things, we have a really special guest. This is a young lady who's based in Hong Kong, very active in the wellness and fitness industry, who experienced a life-changing accident in her younger years. And she's going to tell us about the lessons she learned 
how she reinvented herself and how she found a greater drive, energy and passion for life and how she's trying to share that message with all those around her. I am exceptionally excited she's able to join us and we will be looking forward to meeting her next week. As someone new to the podcast industry, I would really love it if you were able to support three things. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Spotify. And please subscribe. You know, you've, you've just heard one of what will be 10, hopefully really quite interesting conversations that you maybe want to take things away from. Equally, if you're able to give us a review, that'd be great. Five stars, always welcome. And stay with us because we have some really interesting people from business, from entertainment and from sport. So we will have guests that speak to you. Thank you.